Thanks for checking out the PowerPlace audio podcast. If you want more resources for your walk with the Lord, you can visit us online at www.thepowerplace.org. You can check us out on YouTube and Facebook at The PowerPlace Church if you want to watch the service online. And if you want to give, you can text any amount to 84321 or visit the church website. Amen. That's worth investing in. Make sure you grab an invite on the connection bar so you can invite people to our Christmas, Christmas Eve services. What an awesome God we serve. I'm talking to Ron Gilbert before church. Uh, he got a great report from the doctor, like we were going to be shocked, but cancer-free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Santa Claus at the mall was very surprised when a young lady about 20 years old walked up, sat on his lap. Santa doesn't usually take requests from adults, but she smiled very nicely at him. So, she, so he said, okay, you can ask for something, but it has to be for someone other than yourself. What do you want for Christmas? Something for my mother, said the young lady. Something for your mother. Well, that's very thoughtful of you, smiled Santa. What do you want me to bring her? Without blinking, she replied, a son-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Dad said a sweater I purchased was picking up static electricity, so I returned it to the store. His family said, okay, so. Dad said they gave me another one free of charge. Thank you, Drew. So next Sunday is Christmas, and I'm excited about that. It's Christmas Day. Make sure you invite someone. Some people spend Christmas all by themselves, and they might as well spend a a day in God's presence that would change them forever. Amen. And you're the key to that. Take that invite, give it to someone and pray about it. Ask God to use you to uh, give an invite. And next Sunday uh, on Christmas Day, we'll be bringing our first fruit offering, which we do every year at the end of the year. We do that so that you can get giving credit for this year if you want to. But we're, we're sowing sacrificial seed into a season of supernatural suddenlies. I believe God wants to do some suddenly things, and I want to sow some sacrificial seed in in that realm. Uh, Christy and I, we always pray about what God wants us to do for the the next year in our first fruits offering. And we're, we're in the middle of praying about that right now, asking God to show us so that that we can sacrifice for us it's it's not a one time gift usually it's a a weekly gift or a, a monthly gift we want to feel it as our paycheck comes we want to feel that 
that sacrifice on a regular basis. So I would encourage you, pray about what God would like to have you to do. And uh, we're going to sow some sacrificial seed uh, beginning next Sunday. Interesting fact, uh, Barna released a study showing that Christian philanthropy accounted for 70% of all American philanthropy in 2022, coming in at $300 billion. He also pointed out that Christians outgave the U.S. government in addressing global poverty. I thank those of you who who, uh, sowed into the missions uh, offering. We're working on things globally as well as in our home area. Scott Sauls says, whatever folks might say or think, the church remains a seismic value add to the world. And we're a part of that. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, let's go. We are the church. We're the church of the living God. We're making a difference worldwide. Amen. Uh, John Stone Street writes, in internet lingo... To say the quiet part out loud means to reveal one's true intentions or motives that were supposed to remain publicly unsaid. Recently, a couple of prominent organizations that deal with children have said the quiet part out loud when talking about parental rights. The first was the National Education Association, which has a long history of advocating extreme sexually progressive ideology in schools such as, for instance, advising teachers to hide transgender students' name and pronoun changes from parents. In November, the NEA tweeted, educators love their students and know better than anyone what they need to learn and thrive. Hmm. Could they be overlooking anyone? Such as, I don't know, students' parents. It's as if any right that parents have to be involved and aware of their children's education ends at the ability of progressive teachers to shepherd their students into alternative lifestyles, sexual practices, and abortions. Speaking of abortion, another group that deals with vulnerable children and teens also recently said the quiet part out loud. Parental rights advocate Megan Brock tweeted a clip from a video conference by the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia Policy Lab. In it, Dr. Sarah Wood explained the group's strategy for circumventing Pennsylvania's parental notification law for minors seeking abortions. I'm just trying to keep you up to speed. According to Dr. Wood, the ideal state would be to repeal parental notification laws so that doctors can refer teens for abortions privately. Until then, she proposed, there should be a designated navigator process to help shepherd pregnant teens through a judicial bypass so parents never have to know. According to Wood, this can prevent physical, emotional, and financial harm young women might otherwise suffer at the hands of their families. It's amazing, isn't it? Ultimately, she explained, the goal of policymakers and physicians should be expanding this idea of a parent 
to being a trusted or supportive adult so there's not a tie to biology. That's right here in Philadelphia, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. I'm not talking about around the world somewhere. I'm talking about here in our neighborhood. And television and Hollywood is shoving all of this warped agenda down our throats. You don't have to turn on the television long before you see. And they're basically saying, shut up. Don't you dare bring an opposing voice. Accept this new way of life or be canceled and ostracized. The enemy of our souls is sneaky, but it's pretty much all out on the table now. We're in a war. We're in a war for these kids. We're in a war for our children. We're in a war for our grandchildren's souls. And mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, I'm challenging you to fight the good fight of the faith on your knees. Fight. Fight in the public square if necessary. Get involved in your children's school. If they aren't in a godly, kingdom-minded school, fight for your kids. Things are going on behind the scenes. They're starting to say the quiet things out loud. We need to stand up. Amen. 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 Look at your neighbor. Say, stand up. Let's go. We got a job to do. We got a job to do. That's why God gives us with his Holy Spirit and gives us the power that we need to be witnesses everywhere we go. Today, we're wrapping up our, our series on gifts of the Spirit today. And it's fitting that our core value of the week is excellence because excellence is a reflection of heaven. And he gave us his best, so we give him ours. And this Christmas season, we're reminded of God's most excellent gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. How can we offer him any less than our best? Amen. Amen. Remember, Jack Hayford said, Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, yet when the Spirit comes, he's loaded with packages. He desires to release much more in us and through us than we could ever imagine. These gifts are given for delivery, not for accumulation. We receive them to pass them on to others. God has gifted you and he's blessed you in so many ways. Use the gifts that he's anointed you with to bring life and blessing to those around you. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, Paul the Apostle writes, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. So I'm calling you to a higher level of living. Walk worthily of what's been placed on you, of how you've been called out. You're not just like everybody else. Amen. You've got a, a, a call on your life, so walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Some of us have had that calling on our life, and then we've sunk down to a level that's unrecognizable. And God wants you to come back up to that level. Walk worthy. With all humility, he says in verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. 
being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, tolerance was the call of the, the uh, secular society for so many years. You've got to be tolerant, 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 tolerant until it was about them. And now it's, we're in charge. You shut up. What, what Paul is, is admonishing us here is that we are tolerant of one another in love. He's not talking about the world. You don't have to tolerate the things of the world. But he is calling you to be tolerant of one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He says, verse 4, there's one body, one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Somebody say gifts. He, Jesus, gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself, also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And then verse 11, he tells you what these gifts are. And he gave, somebody say he gave. This isn't man's idea. This is what Jesus gave. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For, this is their reason for being, this is why he called them, this is why he gave these gifts to the church, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. To equip you to be able to do what God's called you to do. That's why we're here. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. Somebody say mature. To a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, he said, I I want you all to look like Christ when this is all said and done. When you've been in the church long enough, you should start to mirror what Jesus Christ looks like. You should be grown up. As a result, verse 14, we are no longer to be children. What? Yeah, no longer. No longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, because it's all around you. And some of us are just back and forth, tossed here and there. And you don't have a, a secure footing. And he said, you got to be secure in all this. 
As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But, but, but speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted, held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. We're part of the body of Christ. We need each other. I'm seeing my chiropractor back here. How you doing, Dr. John? And Natalie? They know that when my joints are out of whack, I got to get them back in to the right position so everything can function properly. Amazing. Because when you're out of whack, when your joints aren't supplying what is necessary, your body malfunctions. So I need you and you need me to all be in alignment. No sublocations. Is that the right word? Something like that. It's close. I'm close. I'm not there, but I'm close. Subluxation. That's it. None of that. We want to be lined up perfectly to the measure of the fullness of Christ. We're not measuring against each other. We're measuring against him. If I don't look like Christ, if I don't act like Christ, if I don't do like Christ, then I'm out of, I'm out of whack. And I got to get lined back up. And how does God do that? Through the, he, we're held together by what every joint supplies. We're properly working together, each individual part, causing growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So he gave gifts. There's five listed here. Apostle. Paul the apostle opened up many of his letters to the churches with the phrase, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Notice in Galatians 1, 1, he says, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, not through any denomination, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So I'm writing to you, but I'm telling you my credentials ahead of time. I'm an apostle called by God. Nobody else called me. God did, and he set me apart. The apostle Peter did the same, 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia who are chosen. So you have apostles, but notice how the writer of Hebrews talks about Jesus. Hebrews chapter three, verse one. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. You see it? Is it up there? 
the apostle. We have apostles, but there's the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses was also in all his house. Apostle in the Greek, the word apostle means a delegate, a messenger, one sent forth with orders. Jesus Christ was the apostle who was sent by God to earth with a mission to bring salvation to the world. Did he accomplish his mission? Absolutely. A modern day apostle might be a church planter, one who is sent, a sent one, an overseer, an elder who's been sent with orders. Is there apostles still at work today? Absolutely. Secondly, prophet. The word prophet in the Greek means an interpreter or spokesman for God. One through whom God speaks. Are prophets still happening today? Absolutely. Evangelist. In the Greek, it means a bringer of good tidings. A preacher of the gospel. An evangelist. Do we still have evangelists today? Absolutely. I pray that most of you are. A bringer of good tidings. And then the word pastor. In the Greek, it means a herdsman. A herdsman. Especially a shepherd. He to whose care and control others have committed themselves. And whose precepts they follow. A shepherd in the Near East was responsible for watching out for enemies trying to attack the sheep. Defending the sheep from attackers. Healing the wounded and sick sheep, finding the, and saving lost or trapped sheep, loving them, sharing their lives with them to earn their trust. And I'll just say, we pastors are shepherds. And all of these callings, these gifts to the church, are conferred upon people by God. You don't get to choose your own name. I'm apostle, so-and-so. Prophet to the nations, Greg Hollis. No, they're conferred upon you by God and, and they are recognized by those around you. People recognize your calling. As a shepherd, as a pastor, um, let me just say this. If, If you choose to leave a church, talk to your shepherd. Have a conversation. Because we want to bless you on your way out. Don't just disappear and be silent. Look at your neighbor and say, don't just disappear. Because we've spent a lot of time praying for you, protecting you, pouring into you, 
cautioning you, loving you. So don't just walk away without a word. And let me say those of you who have come from another church, another flock, and if maybe you didn't leave right, I would challenge you, go back and have a conversation with your leaders. Go, go have a conversation with your pastor. Amen. Teacher. In the Greek, it means one who teaches concerning the things of God and the duties of man. All five of these gifts given to the church are for the benefit of the church. Why? So that we will grow up and mature and function properly, becoming like Christ. That's what the fivefold ministry gifts are for. And again, these are not titles you place on yourself. These are conferred upon you by God and recognized by those around you. Hebrews chapter 13. The writer of Hebrews in his concluding exhortations says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Do you, do you know that you probably entertained angels at some point and didn't even know it? How cool is that? I love that. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. Why? For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. I didn't say it. He did. I will, I will reiterate what he said. If you're intimate sexually with anyone other than your spouse, one man, one woman for life, you're living in sin and God will judge. Notice what he says in verse four, God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. It's a big deal. I don't want to be judged by God. So I'm going to keep my marriage bed pure. And I would challenge you to do the same. Verse five, keep your lives free from the love of money. Notice he didn't say from money. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. But it's Christmas. I know. And maybe there's some things you actually need. But he's like, look, be free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He's all you need. When it, when it comes down to the bottom line, God is all you need. God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. 
What can mere mortals do to me? And then he says in verse 7, a couple of things I want to get to here real quick. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember your leaders, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers that he's placed in your life. Remember them. Remember what they said. They spoke the word of God to you. And consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. What he did for them yesterday, he'll do for you today and he will forever. Because he's that good. He's that God. Come on. Hallelujah. Then he says, don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from those which, from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of the animals in the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. Some of you are like, well, Jesus, when I talk about Jesus, I get persecuted. Good. You're lining up with him. Let's go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here, we do not have an enduring city. But we're looking for the city that is to come. I mean, and I say it all the time. Everything you can see is temporary. Even the no wrinkles on your face. Temporary. Unless you get all Botoxed up and you start looking nasty. I can't. I, I can't. The, I'm sorry. There, there are people who have warped their... Fa- physique to the point where you, you don't even recognize him. It's like, is that, is that really you? Oh my. Everything's temporary. That incredible body you got right now. Temporary. Hate to break it to you. Everybody's all about dad Bob bods. I'm like, what about grandpa bods? Temporary. You, you might be able to, to hold it off for a while, but eventually it's going to get to you. Uh, so he says, look, we're not, we're not looking here for, for something that's, that's eternal. We don't have an enduring city here. We're looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, this is something that lasts forever, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with others with such sacrifices God is pleased. And then he says in verse 17, have confidence in your leaders 
and submit to their authority. Now, some of you have had bad leaders and you, you got abused spiritually. But he's saying there's some leaders you can have confidence in. And I'm asking you to submit to their authority because, and here's, here's the big deal, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. I, I don't take this lightly where, where God has placed me. I, uh, I'm charged by God to watch over you because I'm going to give an account. And he says, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. Because if we're cranky, you're not going to appreciate it. Then he says in verse 18, pray for us. And I would say, pray for your leaders. We're sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul, in addressing his son of the faith, Timothy, he says in 2 Timothy 4.1, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. Once again, and this is throughout Scripture, God is our judge, and he will judge us. Um. That's why it's so important to get things right before God now so that you're not judged on that day. Who is Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. He's talking to his son in the faith who, who was a pastor. He said, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with great patience and instruction. Why? Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. Oh, oh, I like that. Oh, that, that sounds nice. Oh, I love that message. That message. You should never love my messages. I'm just saying. I'm not here to tickle your ears. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And it's so easy these days with with the internet and the ability to accumulate teachers that just really tickle your ears. 
That just sounds so good. I, I like that. It, it, it just blesses my soul. Let me, let me finish this. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside the myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. We keep watch over you, and we will give an account for how we've taught, how we've led, how we've poured into you, how we've protected you. Um, let me say just a few things in closing today. Several people have left the power place because they have heard that we've called our leadership to a higher standard. Mainly, we've asked our leadership to not drink alcohol. And, and we've had some people step down from leading because of this issue. Now, I would think that you would appreciate that those who lead at this church are called to a higher standard. That, that you can trust that they won't be impaired at any time by consuming alcohol. I, I would feel that that would be a sense of safety, I, that it would bring comfort and assurance, but, but not so much for some people. Never have we told you as a church that you can't drink. I've been here 19 years. I've never told you you can't drink. I've simply cautioned you and warned you that drinking is a pathway. And it leads somewhere. And through my 40 plus years of ministry, I've stood on that pathway to try to rescue people, to restore those who have been in trouble from alcohol and addiction. And I've seen the end results. And so I'm, I'm trying to help you avoid that and keep you from destruction. I mean, I, I and my team are on the pathway screaming, don't, don't go down this path. It leads to destruction. It leads to devastation. It will affect your family. It will affect your marriage. It will affect your productivity. Please. And it's because we care about you and your eternal destiny. Because we're pastors, we're shepherds. And we care. Nobody's ever said to me, my life was a wreck and then I started drinking. All of a sudden, my family got better. My, my marriage is better now. For 40 plus years, I've heard the other stories. I'm just begging you. I'm telling you. This is a path and it leads somewhere. 
Now, am I telling you not to drink? I can't do that. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to warn you where this pathway leads. Well, Jesus turned the water into wine. I know, you're not Jesus. <laughs> not because we're trying to be legalistic and take all the fun out of your life. Because we care about you and your future. We're called by God to help you grow up. In my daily encounter with the Lord on Thursday morning this week, I was reading the prophet Micah, and he's bringing the Lord's rebuke against Israel. And he says in Micah chapter 2, verse 11, it just jumped off the page at me. Suppose a prophet full of lies would say to you, I'll preach to you the joys of wine and alcohol. That's just the kind of prophet you'd like. Whoa, dude. Say it, Micah. Preach it. How ridiculous, and yet that's what we want to hang on to, the joys. The joys of wine and alcohol. We forget all the sorrow and the devastation and the destruction, the addiction it brings. And I'll just tell you, our, our, our society is bound, addicted by alcohol in all its various forms. I could go on a lot of other tangents, but I won't this morning. But maybe perhaps, just perhaps, the Lord planted us here almost 19 years ago to challenge the status quo. Just to say, hey, you know what? You can live a full, blessed, incredible, anointed, clear-headed life. For some of you, I don't even have to say that because you, you got rid of that long ago. You're set free. I mean, you, you're done with DUIs. and You're done. You're like, that's over. Don't have to worry anytime you're driving. Is my, am I over the limit? You don't have to blow into that sobriety thing. Some of you have been free from the clutches of alcohol since coming to this house. And I say, praise God. Amen. Say, Pastor, are you against alcohol? Yeah, I am, kind of. Because I've seen the end of that road. I've dealt with the broken stories, the, the issues that it all brings. I've seen it in my family. I've watched... Devastation just wreak havoc. My uncle had a bar in his basement. I watched the devastation that that family went through time after time after time. Why do we want to love the things of this world to the point of destroying our souls? Why would we want to hang on to something that we know 
is going to bite us at some point. I was flipping through channels the other day. Mike Tyson was talking about owning two tigers. I'm like, what's wrong with you? What in the world? At some point, you're going to get bit. You can play around with it for a while. There's going to be a point where there ain't no game any longer. So he gave gifts to men. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We all have the same goal. To equip you with everything good for doing his will so you can grow up and become like Christ. That's why we say around here, Power Place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily. So you can be empowered by his spirit and his word so that you can engage with your world. It's not to take the fun out of life. It's to bring you to abundant life. Life more abundantly. Life filled without the junk of this world. So what gift has the Lord blessed you with? How does God want to use you to bless someone else and build up the body of Christ to spur growth in those around you? I would say what better time than at Christmas to show his love to the world. We're here for a reason. Stand with me, please. Thanks for checking out the Power Place audio podcast. The Power Place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily, to empower you with his spirit and his word so that you can engage your world. Here at the Power Place, we believe the Bible from cover to cover. And our prayer is that as you listen, the absolute truth of God's word would bring complete freedom to every area of your life.